Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Danielle Sullivan. She is the National Director of Content and Implementation at Curriculum Associates. Today we're talking about middle school leadership and some thoughts about thriving in the school. I first interviewed Danielle in episode 389, so if you weren't around then, you could go back and check that out. What an awesome talk today. So much to learn. And by the way, before you go, it would be so cool if you... Uh, rated and reviewed the podcast. Could you do that for me? Think about giving us a five-star rating and, and maybe say some nice words. You can simply do that by going into your uh, podcast platform that you're listening to me on, like Apple, and uh, go down there from that main screen where you see the podcast artwork and uh, scroll down a little bit and you'll see where you can uh, rate and review down there. Uh, the other way is to go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews, and that, that'll lead you to Apple and to Spotify as well. So uh, um, that would be so nice. Thanks so much for joining me today and uh, enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Danielle Sullivan brings 10 years of teaching experience to her role as a National Director of Content and Implementation at Curriculum Associates. She specializes in establishing and strengthening middle school classroom strategies with an emphasis on student engagement and motivation. Her popular webinars, presentations, and professional development training sessions have established her as a thought leader in educator well-being, personal development, self-care, and community building. She is known for her humor and energetic personality, as well as the practical advice and strategies she shares with educators. Today, Danielle is going to focus on middle school leadership and to provide a few thoughts about thriving in the school. Welcome back, Danielle. Great to have you on the show again. Say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. It's so good to be back. Well, glad to have you here. And uh, let's start by talking about, uh, um, you got this title, you work for Curriculum Associates. Can you tell us about what, what Curriculum uh, Associates is all about? What's its purpose? It's why? Yes. So my title is National Director, which is a fancy way of saying I have the privilege and pleasure of supporting educators and leaders um, nationwide, actually globally. I've been doing some work internationally as well. And what we do at Curriculum Associates is we really focus on making an impact on students. We are an assessment and an instruction company. We have digital universal screener assessment called iReady. You might have a lot of people don't know us as curriculum associates. A lot of people know us as the iReady people. So we have iReady K-12 digital assessment that is tied to instruction. And then we have a core math solution, K-8, and some uh, core reading solutions as well. But I think the big, the why we do what we do and why I even work for curriculum associates is to help every single child know where they need to go in order to grow and to create actionable, give educators actionable data tied to instruction so they can meet the needs of all of their diverse students in their classrooms. Excellent. That's cool. So uh, uh, good stuff. I appreciate you explaining that. So now let's get into the meat of what we're going to talk about. And, you know, we're going to focus on leadership in the middle school level. But before we do that, when you think of a leader, what do you mean? So I'm going to actually quote one of my favorite researchers, social scientist Brene Brown, because I love this quote by her. Leadership is not about titles or the corner office. It's about the willingness to step up, put yourself out there, lean into courage. The world is desperate for braver leaders, and it's time for all of us to step up. When I think in education space, when you hear the word leadership, I think people think you have to have several advanced degrees and have principal in your name or superintendent in your name. But when I think of leadership, everyone is a leader, a classroom teacher, a, a bus driver, the superintendent, the building level leaders, but it's, it's, we all need to realize that we can be the change we want to see. And we have to be braver and lean into courage because I think all of us are leader, even in our own personal lives, we can all be leaders. It's just shifting the perspective. That's excellent. I appreciate it. You know, because I kind of figured you had kind of a thought like that. So I, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we had that we got that out there because that's a that's a big thing. And you know, the the whole idea of being able to step out there and you know put yourself forward is uh, that takes a little bit of intestinal fortitude just itself, right there. Yes, alone. it does, <laughs> and a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability, all of it. Yes. 
So much so. And uh, so let's, uh, you know, let's talk about this. I mean, what do you think is one of the toughest aspects of leading others to accomplish a mission or a task? What I'm seeing in my travels, in my research, and in my experiences with leaders, I think it boils down to belief. I feel like the belief that you can make a difference for leaders to know that they have an impact and believing in those that you're leading so fiercely that they start believing in themselves. So even if we think about a classroom level leader, a teacher, if that teacher believes that kids are capable, even if the kids, middle school kids don't think they can. And then when we come to building level leadership, district leadership, I think that is the foundation. It has to be belief. The second thing that's really important that really hard right now is, and I'm not going to say self-care because self-care has turned into this like buzzword. Like if I'm not taking a bubble bath, I'm not taking care of myself. That's not what I'm talking about, but I think leaders need to take care of themselves, whatever that looks like, because you can't work from an empty cup. You have to make sure that you are filling your own needs because the needs of your educators and students are so great at this moment in time in 2023. So what are the best practices for you to take care of you as a human, understanding that in order to believe and to create the right environment for all students in your building to thrive, you have to feel like you have the energy, the fortitude to be able to do that. So I'm talking like making sure you have lunch, (laughs) making sure you're drinking enough water, making sure whatever you need to do to help you get into that mindset and belief and also having a practice to, to help you not burn out yourself. You know, that is so important. And I I like the way you said it because um, it has become (laughs) this interesting buzz where there's all kinds of podcasts out there where you see, hear them talking about different things and it, it, it kind of boils down to, Oh, like what you're talking about, as opposed to really focusing on what that is, which is you got to do things to take care of yourself. And I got to think you hit one of the biggest ones right nail on the head, which is you need to eat your lunch. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know why it's a badge of honor. Some people like I didn't even eat today. Well, how are you still standing? Like we are humans. We need to breathe. We need to eat. We need to hydrate. Like these are just basic human needs. And I think in education, teachers shove food in their face so fast. Kids forget. It just why are we, yes, basic human needs. That's what we need to do. As a note, I always fell for my, my colleagues who are elementary um, principals because you know, as a high school principal, if, if I was going to eat, I had to do it at 1030 in the morning right. and, uh, and I would get a chance to actually eat and read and do something, take care of some work or something. Um, because, you know, when you're in the cafeteria and things like this, doing supervision, or you never knew what was going to happen during lunchtime, yes. you know, it, it's like, if I didn't at 1030, I may not get a chance to eat again until, oh, I don't know, four. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. So, <laughs> um, you know, so things like that, I mean, it's just so important. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy what we do to ourselves. And like you said, badge of honor. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you are not winning an award for starving yourself. That is for sure. Uh, that is, that is right there in the money. <laughs> I mean, so let's, let's talk about this. I mean, we're going to talk about middle school leaders. Now, before we do that, I got to say this, my whole career was as a high school, I started out as a high school history teacher and I went from high school history, um, became an assistant principal in the high school and uh, became a principal who went to change things, by the way, who, and, uh, you know, and it, I worked in a couple of high schools as an assistant principal and then um, in a couple of high schools as a change agent where I market myself that way to go do that. And one of the things that I have to say is this. I have colleagues who I am just amazed because when, when I look at them and I say, you know, you're a middle school leader. Oh, my gosh, man. How do you do that? Because it's like, you know, I, I've worked with kids in those ages and uh, there's a lot of things going on. And so it takes to me a special person <laughs> to just be able to work with that age group. It takes a very special person. I mean, I often joke with middle school math teachers when I support middle school math teachers, because I say, what are your friends? First, I ask, what did they say to dinner party? And then I'm like, well, I'm sorry, we're in education. We're not going to dinner parties. What do people say at the gas station? Then they laugh. (laughs) Or when you tell people, hey, I teach middle school math, you have a range of um, knowing laughter, bless your heart, 
how do you do that? So I have a message for all of you middle school leaders and educators out there. Let's change the script. So when people ask you, what do you do? Instead of saying, I'm a middle school teacher, say, I'm in the business of developing human potential. What do you do? And then walk away. Smiling, oh, of course. Of course. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Oh, you can hear the silence right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> so all you're listening, you got to write that down. So rewind, go back. and it's your new business down. card title. There you go. Oh, that would be excellent. I love that. Good stuff. So, all right. So let's, let's shift to talking about the middle school leader. I mean, what do you think, you know, could you talk about some of that middle school leaders need to understand about middle school? Yes. I, I'm still shocked that this is something that seems confusing to leaders, but middle school is a unique place. Kids who are 12, 13, 14, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. Actually, it's not even developed until they're 21. So that goes for high school leaders too. But in this day and age, in 2023, after several years of a global pandemic, I just read an article that we're now three years post quote unquote COVID, although it's not gone. I think leaders need to realize that the kids today in their schools may look like 12, 13, 14 year old students, but are actually developmentally more like third, fourth and fifth graders. And I think that it takes a shift in understanding it takes a lot of empathy. We have to realize that above all, we need to continue to prioritize relationships with students because no one's going to learn anything if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel valued, and if they don't feel connected to the adults who are working with them. And I think that people knew this before because, again, it takes a special person to be a leader of a middle school. But in this day and age, we need to really be the change we want to see and prioritize that. And it's going to take us to shift things. We can't go in and do things we've always done because it's not working with the youth of today. It, it just won't work. You know, that's, that's so important to understand because, uh, you know, um, just to say that I'm of a different generation is really, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a statement of the obvious, but at the same time, it's something that I have to keep in mind because you know, one of the things that the kids experienced during um, COVID and was was virtual learning, where they could turn their teacher off, <laughs> right, and and they could wear whatever they wanted to, right, and and they could eat however often they want to. Yes, oh yes, exactly, and and so you know, a lot of them have come back into the school buildings not understanding how to act in a classroom. And it's it, an interesting thing. There, they, yes, and I and I've heard from a lot of educate middle school educators that it's especially right as students started to go back into the buildings, they don't have unlimited snacks. They have to focus. They have to sit up. They can't lay down and learn. I just like there's things that you were like, why is this happening? But if, if we all need to be retaught, we all need to be reseen. And I think as leaders reminding your educators that they need to teach the kids in front of them, not the kids who they hope they would be or what they had even five years ago. Like we need to adjust with the kids that are in the building today and see them for who they are today and reestablish systems or reimagine systems to meet their diverse needs. Because what's, what I'm seeing with all the data, the national research, if you read any headlines in education, the amount of unfinished learning is, it's overwhelming to think about where to start. But then on top of that, the mental health issues of especially middle school educate middle school kids, because I mean, it's hard to be if, if I ask anyone to remember their time in middle school, 80 percent of the people, it's not fond. 20 percent of the people said it was wonderful. But when I, I just asked this with educators last week, I said, what do you remember being about middle school? And it was like trauma, stress, awkward, anxious. So. And some people were like, it was great, but that is, that's not normally what I hear. But then you layer that with the amount of technology, social media, the way that tech is, is, is actually impacting the development of the adolescent brain. Then you add the isolation. I mean, in middle school, kids need to be social. That's like the height of their socialization and need to be social. Then they were isolated. Um, there's a lot of interesting laws or, or things happening in different states when it comes to belonging. And it's just, there's so much stuff happening 
in middle school that already was on top of middle school. Like in 2019, nobody remember. Do you remember 2019? Anybody? Um, so pre-20 i know so so long ago but the cdc said that trauma was the biggest issue impacting middle schools in 2019 so imagine where we are today it's just it's a different place so how do we move forward with the students that are in our care today that's so powerful it's what an incredible thought because there's so much stuff that uh you know, it's, I mean, everything that's going on. I mean, it, when you when you work with kids, you know, it's one of the things I've tried to explain to people. Like, one of my favorite grade levels to teach were 10th graders. And a lot of it is because 10th graders, for the most part, have gotten over some of the issues of going from 8th to ninth grade. Because the ninth graders, mm-hmm. you really get a lot of that sort of issue still going on. But in 10th grade, um, they'll... They'll let you act dorky with them. They'll they'll laugh at your stupid jokes. They'll participate in your activities in your classroom, um, you know, programs that you have going on and stuff like this. And they'll and, and they're fun. Um, juniors, for the most part, are the same. Are similar, just a little older. I don't like seniors. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> they think they know everything. All right, it's like, oh come on, man. This is come on. Have some, you know anyway, but. You know, in the ninth grade and the eighth grade, you know, one of the things, there's so much going on with their, you know, the human development side of the world. And, you know, you're trying to teach them math or you're trying to teach them history or you're trying to, and at the same time, they're going, everyone's looking at me. Why are they looking at mm-hmm. me? You know, and nobody's looking at them, you know, it's like, and it's, but they, they think that and, you know, or that uh, they have the, this huge crush on somebody across you know, in the previous class before them, and uh, that's all they can think about. And, uh, you know, and so you're talking to them about something historical. Hey, uh, why don't you ask, Steve, what do you think about that? What? I I know. it's, <laughs> And I would say the way you're describing 10th graders, it might as well be a 6th grader. It might as well be a 4th grader. I mean, what I've seen and what I'm reading in research and what works, the right systems and habits will surpass all of that. And if you create the right conditions where students feel that they belong in the classroom, they feel connected to the adult in the room, and they have systems to have uh, proactive collaboration with their peers and really healthy ways to channel a lot of what happens, a lot of just being human, right? I mean, I think there's a big misunderstanding in education that humans, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the the politicians who try to legislate policies around education. Yes. They think that humans are beings who think and sometimes feel, which is not the case. Humans are beings who feel and sometimes think. So, so when we think about education, which is the, the, the point of education is to learn, right? To have students learn. We need to lean more in, more into learning science and neuroscience. Like how do brains actually learn? And there's all this huge, uh, breadth and depth of research showing that our brains will learn when we feel safe and when and we actually when we attach emotions to it we'll learn even more when we enjoy something when we find it fun when we connect to the adult when 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 you're using things that kids if you know that kids are having crushes on people well then let's make a whole unit out of it and 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 talk about it but that's i wish i want to give educators and leaders permission to do what's revolutionary in their buildings by setting up the right environments for kids. I don't think sitting in rows, having somebody talk at you works. <laughs> you can't see it. Cause this is a podcast. I just shrugged, <laughs> you know, and, it, uh, and that she did. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm only laughing because it is funny that people think that that works. So it's like, it does uh, not work. Especially if you with- ask a, I mean, if you ask somebody, how do you learn? I can guarantee you any adult, any human, how do you learn? I don't think the first thing would they say, I learn so well when I sit quietly and someone talks at me for an hour. That's like the optimal learning environment. No, no one's going to say that. There used to be this great, uh, it still exists, uh, but uh, it, uh, I don't know if new ones are created anymore, but uh, did you ever read Calvin and Hobbes? The, yes. And my favorite thing was that, uh, you know, um, Calvin would go off into la-la land while the teacher's teaching and he'd be fighting space aliens. All kinds. That was me. All right. So I look like I'm paying attention and I look, I have my notepad out and I'm, I'm 
usually drawing or whatever, but I had this game that I played with teachers, which was, you know, I don't want you to call on me, so I'm going to look at you like I'm paying attention and taking notes and so forth. But my brain is somewhere else. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, and I sat in places, not in the back. I sat not in the front, but kind of close to the front to the side so that I'm out of your view for the most part. So you kind of ignored me. I wasn't a bad kid, didn't get in trouble, and didn't know all the answers either. So you didn't call on me for that reason either. So... Yeah, I was able to, I figured, I was a good Calvin, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you were able to be invisible yes. in school. Yes, which showed which, up when I got into college, but. <laughs> yeah. Right, but we don't, we don't want kids to disappear into their own minds. Like I think when talking about leadership, what I love about leaders, building level leaders, if if you think about it, the building level leader has the most power to impact change. Because a teacher could be doing something amazing in their classroom, but it's one teacher in their classroom. A district could have an initiative, but until the building level leader agrees to replicate that initiative, like they have a lot of power and they have the power to completely change the lives of every child in their building. But it takes brave leadership. It takes vulnerability. It takes taking risks and thinking differently or creating different systems than maybe you aren't popular with some educators that have been in your building for 30 years, but like we're joking, but kind of not joking. Right. We can't continue to replicate the factory model in 2023. And if we want students to learn, and I mean, we had gaps pre COVID there. I mean, we, we've been 40% proficiency in middle school for math for years. Are we okay with only 40% of our middle schoolers proficient in math? I don't think so. So, if we want to be the change we want to see, and if we want to close gaps, we have to be willing to do different things. And the things aren't revolutionary. Small group instruction, centers, yes, in middle school. Yes, I'm looking at you, middle school educators. Centers, giving system, giving students systems for productive struggle, giving students uh, spaces to to work and create when they're finished with whatever the main task of the day is. Like there's a lot of easy adjustments we could do and even asking your educators to stand outside the door and smile at students as they walk in the door, like very simple adjustments to really be the change we want to see. You know, it's, it's so powerful because it takes, you know, the, the, the th I hate to say this because there's some things just like you were talking about the self-care equ equating bubble baths, um, you know. <laughs> or massages. Or like massages. I don't do one of those, and I'm not doing self care. Yeah, there's there's some of them. There's some of them. They're talking about all kinds of things like that. And I got to go take this uh, in the middle of the year. I got to take this cruise or something. And you know, one of the things that I this is this is where I think there's this gap. Oh my gosh, yes, there's this gap between me and uh, some of my colleagues who are a little bit younger. Who, when I say my references to uh, the TV shows that I grew up on, they go, "What? Oh, wait a second. I think I." saw that my parents were watching it on me TV or something or, you know, or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult and it's time consuming and it is, there's a lot required. And I don't, I'm not talking about from an administrator down. I'm talking about to work with kids. If you're a teacher who's working with kids, it takes time to prepare and to work for them and work with them. Yes. And because a big part of it, what you're talking about is the whole thing that, you know, in, I wasn't allowed to disappear in every one of my classes in school. There were those teachers that didn't allow Steve to do that. And those were the classes that I knew and I would prepare and I would pay attention like I was supposed to. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way today. There's, they've got colleagues that are doing their thing that really understand that they, it takes time and preparation and working and, and trying to be what needs to be done to, you know, to make, uh, you yeah, know, to help the kids get whatever it is they're trying to, to, to accomplish. So. Yeah. Educators are the most amazing people, in my opinion, on the planet. I, that's why I work in education. I love getting to work with teachers and leaders every single day. I wouldn't, I was in politics for a little bit. Just like, no, thank you. So <laughs> you, reco you recovered. I from actually, it, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, well, that, that's like a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, but I was, I'm so in awe of the creativity, the grit, the resilience of educators and everyone goes into education 
with a why and a, and a big heart. And I think our system of education has beaten, beaten down. I mean, the teachers didn't want you to be invisible, but some teachers just, they, they get in their own stuck pit. So it's up to leaders to help lift educators out of the pit so that they can see the students again. And that's what makes a brave leader leaning into the hard conversations, making sure that you are creating the environment where every single child in your building will thrive, setting the right vision, setting the right expectations, being the model for educators that, that this is not, it's not hopeless. It just, it takes a reframe and a reset. Oh, I love that. It's awesome. I mean, it really is. That's, that's so cool. And uh, I am glad to see that you recovered from your desire to be a politician. That's just a whole yeah. other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was short lived. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about this. I mean, one of the challenges in leadership is to get everybody on the boat. And once they are on the boat, get them rowing in the same direction. Now, for everybody who's literal, I'm not talking about actually getting them on a boat, but you know, the uh, whole idea of uh, there's been all kinds of, you know, gurus of leadership talk about this type of thing. Um, you got to get them all thinking about we're here for the, this reason. And now let's all try and accomplish this. I mean, whatever this is. Could you share your thoughts about that? Yes. So I love um, one of the, I guess, guru or he was a, not a guru. Tony Robbins. He yeah. is a motivational speaker, a businessman. He has a quote and he says, success leaves clues. And that stuck with me. Nice. And, when, and I just actually interviewed a leader yesterday. Uh, we have a podcast at Curriculum Associates too. It's called the Extraordinary Educator Podcast. Um, so I love that I get to collect educator stories as well. And we interviewed a leader yesterday who talked about barriers to change. And I hear what she shared, which I will share in a minute, is things I hear universally. You first get a couple of educators who are all in. And then when they start to buy in and their classrooms are experiencing success with whatever program, whatever new thing that you're doing, then it will slowly move in that direction. Then even when you get everyone saying, okay, it's the trust and the relationship the leader has built with the teachers that will get them all in the right direction. So you start with a couple uh, first adopters, early adopters, exciting educators who are willing to do something, but it's, the other educators who are hesitant, she said, trust me, this will work. Do you trust that? Like I have this, the direction for us. I've, I've vetted this. I think this will really help our students. And then they will hesitantly say yes. So it all goes back to relationships and trust, making sure that you're building the right rapport with your teachers. And even if you are a new leader, that is the first thing that is the most important. I mean, if you come in and try to change everything all at once without building trust, you will change nothing. I will tell you that. So how do you, how do you actually work with humans? Then they will be willing to be on the same boat, rowing in the same direction, and then we'll give you feedback along the way. That's the dream. But it, it's trust, rapport, and then really lean into some of those uh, early adopters, really amazing teachers that will say yes to everything. Like everybody has a couple of those to help with any initiative. You got that right. You know, it's, it's interesting what you're talking about because uh, um, you know, one of the things that uh, you have to do is figure out how to, how to deliver the right message where you start getting uh, the, the buy-in and the thought and you can't be, you can't be about telling them what we're going to do either because mm -hmm. they got to be part of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and one of the, <laughs> the, the things and it so it takes time, I guess, is where I was going with it. It does take time, and I think that's one of the problems. I mean, you, you want to kind of go into that a little bit? Yes, I, a couple of things frustrate me about education. Just a couple, just kidding, just a, couple? a lot, but just a couple. Just <laughs> right now, for this for this point, right now, nice. Things take time. Trust is built in small moments. Unfortunately, can be broken all at once but it takes time to build trust. It takes time to build relationships. It takes time to implement something new. It takes time to adjust human behavior. But in education, we do have what, 11 months every school year. And then even well-researched best practices turn into posters and die on walls. I, we're always like the next buzzword, like acceleration is a really amazing practice 
that is going to help close gaps and address unfinished learning. What acceleration is, is using grade level content as the scaffold. So all students having equitable access to grade level content and then using that standard content to be able to meet the diverse needs of students in your classroom. That term is already turned into a poster that's dying on walls. I can see it. Growth mindset, poster, die on walls, uh, SEL or <laughs> trauma-informed instruction, like name a, an education research best practice for kids. So it frustrates me that it does take time. So I'm going to go back to belief. If you are a leader that wants to change and make sure that every student in your building learns, I'm not saying exists. I'm not saying is invisible. I'm not saying the teachers teach. I'm talking about learning. Then it's worth your time to make some adjustments and to build the trust and relationships so that everyone knows that change, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. And when it does, it'll start to go faster. And then you'll start to see the positive results. But time, time is something we do have in education, but we don't want to say that we do. Oh, you're so right. It's, uh, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, one of the things it's so tempting because it's so much easier to just say, let's just do this. <laughs> and then, all right, now you've blown a little bit of that trust. So then when you, you know, you, suddenly you've thrown it all out the window as you, as they realize that you're actually just causing, you're the director of the cruise ship, <laughs> you know? Right. And, uh, and the biggest thing I hear from middle school educators, I don't have time, I don't have time. The leader sets the schedule for the school. The leader and the leadership team with the input, hopefully of the educators can make time. You can create pockets of time to do things. And then every teacher has the time within their class, their class period. And if you create the right systems to maximize that time, you do have more time. I just think we are so scarcity mindset in especially us-based education, like not enough of this, not enough time, not enough resources, not enough help, not enough support, not enough, not enough. I think of that uh, Greatest Showman song, like never enough, never, never. We need to stop that because we all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's how we utilize it, prioritize it and maximize it that makes a difference. And I think that we can there are, I've seen successful situations that maximize the same 24 hours. I'm not saying we're in school for 24 hours. So it's the same eight hours a day, but it's going to take leadership, courage, vulnerability, creativity, um, all of it. Yes. You're so right. I mean, it is, and it, it takes committing that to doing that, just taking, cause the time is there. It's like, figure it out. Cause yeah, there's never enough time to do everything that we want to do. Well, we usually find ways of spending mm -hmm. some of the time on stuff that we think is, you know, we may not even be thinking about how we're spending that time. That's and the problem. A lot of people aren't thinking about spending the time. They're just doing, doing, reacting, reacting. And so we have to stop it. it. We have to be the change we want to see. Like it has to start somewhere and building level leadership is the perfect place to start. Uh, so right on the money. I love that. Uh, you, know, you know, one of the things that uh, I want to make sure that we talk about, because we almost got there just a few minutes ago, is uh, there's quite a bit of talk about learning loss left over from the pandemic. Speaking of which, there's another word that could end up in the uh, category yes. of poster on the wall. Um, but, uh, you know, learning loss left over from the pandemic. What would, what would help a middle school leader develop a plan for addressing this? What do you think? So the couple things, first off, take a deep breath and smile because there's a lot to address it. I keep talking about systems in order for, because right now teachers are facing middle school teachers. If they have maybe a hundred kids that they see 150 kids, you have 150 different levels. Like that is what's happening today. What are the systems that your school is doing to be able to maximize that time. What works? Every child in the building needs a combination of whole group instruction, small group instruction, individualized instruction. Every child. You cannot just stand, you cannot have educators standing at the front of the room lecturing. That is, that's not going to close any gaps. So first off, shifting that narrative Another successful strategy that schools can implement, if you can find time for something called a win block, what I need. 
So I've seen some middle schools carve out the first 30 minutes of the day where all hands on deck, every single teacher, art teacher, doesn't matter what teacher you are, are supervising certain blocks, like the first 30 minutes of the day where students are getting personalized instruction, maybe. I mean, I work for iReady, so using iReady and then having some small group conversations or building in an additional time to really give students one-on-one, whatever that looks like. But then within the context of classrooms, are there tables for small group instruction? Are there computers where students could have access to some of the digital resources that I know schools have a plethora of digital supports, but it's, it's creating the structures that for, first off the time in the schedule, the vision that this is important, the right structures, like when are teachers whole group instruction, when are they doing small group instruction? And then within that systems for that, because some teachers don't know how to do small group planning. Teachers don't understand classroom management, giving the the right professional development for teachers to know that it's okay that to release, like the best way kids will learn is if they try it. Like, let's talk about math for a second. Students do not learn math by being told a a problem and practicing a thousand times. That's not how kids actually learn math. Kids will learn math when they have an opportunity to try the problem, talk with their peers help make connections, a teacher can facilitate a whole group conversation, and then they take what they just learned and apply it to a new problem. Student inquiry, talking about what they just read, having really interactive collaborative groups, that is going to be the student-centered approach is the future. This is where we need to move. So how can you set up your school and the classrooms for those environments? And then what's also helpful Honestly, I mean, I work for iReady, but I'm just (laughs) having a universal screener to give you exactly what you need data wise. A lot of middle school um, in order to start like you need a really good place to start. You need to know what the kids know, what they don't know yet in service of grade level content. So not only needing to think about the systems, but then having some really actionable data too. You can't just guess where kids are anywhere. And nowadays you cannot do that. So having a reliable, valid universal screener, giving your educators exactly where kids are resources to teach in small group instruction. Those are the first two places to start. So systems, so time systems, actionable data, all the while the baseline is building relationships, prioritizing relationships. That is like the, the basement the other stuff builds on it. Oh, this is so powerful. Hey, cause now you gotta take, they've taken me to a whole nother level, which I got to make sure we talk about, which is, can you give me some examples about what you mean by doing that? Cause that's one of the things I think sometimes adults really struggle with. They think that, and I, and you know, by the way, to go back to your other group that you're talking about politicians, that's where they, you know, they forget about that. And I love the analogy that you gave, you know, the whole idea that the, they think, and then there's a little bit of feelings, you know, where it's the opposite of it. I mean, that there's a lot of feelings there and understanding that, uh, you know, who I am or, uh, right. Care so about me. a couple of easy systems for building relationships that does not take away from instructional time. First of all, greeting students at the door and smiling. Does everyone know how to smile? Yes, you do. It's free. And we have mirror neurons in our brain. So when you are smiling at another human, they'll start to smile, even if they don't understand why. That's why we yawn when other people yawn. So by standing at the door, forcing yourself, even in between periods, I know that it's crazy. Like you can't be in the back of the room shuffling papers while kids walk in something so simple as creating a school culture where you're the adults just stand outside the door and smile. That's low hanging fruit. Next level up having a system for connection. So I've seen educators uh, start each class period. You can, it's called something called positive priming. So you could have the first two or three minutes of class. You could start with something that's positive. Students could even share You can involve the students with this. Please involve the students with this. A favorite song, a joke, a funny picture, a meme. And just today's positive priming comes from Jonathan. This is the joke he wants us to share. It's just a way to have collective connection. Another way of doing that is that that students could write letters to their teachers when they're having a good or bad day. And they, the teacher could have a space on their desk that students could just write them in a, a letter. It's, it's very private because middle school kids need to have privacy. They need to feel autonomy. 
So they could just write a quick letter and then the teacher would know what's happening. You could have journals that students could write in that you could like, um, you know, interactive journals with students. So it doesn't have to take a lot of instructional time, but then infusing things in the classroom. Another, another idea would be a student interest survey. I actually leaders, please do an adult interest survey in your buildings, ask the people uh, who you work with about themselves and then use that to connect just like teachers ask students about themselves and then use that in lessons and, and do it more than once a year. A lot of, Oh, I did that in September. Well, it's March. And you know what, unless we all change, we grow, we learn. I mean, if you're not growing, you're literally dead. Like we're literally growing every single day, new cells. So it's, it's saying that you will, it's the priority that you will. Cause I know a lot of middle school teachers, I don't have time. I blah, 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 blah. There's another thing called two by 10, two minutes a day for 10 days, two minutes a day. I'm going to prioritize connecting with these 10 students. And then after two weeks, 10 more students, leaders, two minutes a day, 10 teachers. Hey, how are you? How's your dog? Oh my goodness. Oh, I how was your son's soccer game last week? It doesn't take a long time to do this, but you need to prioritize. You need to schedule it. You need to make it, make it happen. Leaders, please get out of your office and go into the hallways and start smiling at students. Simple. These are simple ways to build and maintain relationships. I love that. You're, and thanks for all the specific advice, very practical and everything. And I appreciate that because especially, you know, I got to tell you, there's nothing better, especially as an administrator, if you use a kid's name and they're not somebody who's in trouble. Right. <laughs> especially when they go, uh, one of my favorite conversations that I overheard was after I'd said, hello, <laughs> I heard this, he knows your name. What'd you do wrong? <laughs> I said, right. That shouldn't be the first time to know. Right. And that's a, another thing. <laughs> Very simple. Smile at someone and say their name correctly and learn names and leaders. Yes. Yes. You should. The only that's if a child hears their name the first time when they're in trouble, they're going to feel like they don't belong and they don't connect. Like that's thank you for sharing that story, because please don't do that. (laughs) Please (laughs) make sure that you say hi. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Stephen. How are you today? It's just it makes the world of difference. When leaders and and they look up to principals, they look up to teachers, even though middle school, you don't think they do and they have their hoodie (laughs) on and you're not supposed to. They do. There's there's a reverence for the adults and they will learn from it doesn't matter how much, you know, it matters how much they know you care. I don't know who said that, but it's true. They will learn from people they like. You got that right. Oh, so that's that's, you are so right. all right, so let's shift because it seems like a good place to shift. We, you know, one of the things I want to make sure we talked about is thriving in the middle school. I mean, what would help the leader overcome issues of feeling overwhelmed? And I'm talking about with well, the, the leader. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a lot. You have a lot on your plate as a leader. So the first advice I'm going to tell you: you got to take it one day at a time. I'm actually. Let me back it up. If you have the right systems, so take time to build in some of these systems, but also know it's a one day at a time sometimes. And it's hard work. And if you're committed and focused, it will be okay. But I want you, like there are some some things that you can do to not be overwhelmed. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, you got to take some time. I know time. Ooh. Take some time. And do some things to help you with that. Like what's, what's actually happening. Journaling helps writing things down. What is your biggest pain point? What is the most overwhelming? Is it that you get interrupted all the time? Is it that you feel like you have too many um, teachers coming in? So, So if you're in that space, first you need to take a break, take a time out, walk, like whatever that looks like to you. But then what's one thing you can change? to make you feel 1% better. So that's, and then the second thing I would say, just breathing and smiling. I know it sounds a little weird. It's not hard on a podcast, but we are all one breath away from instantly feeling better. So if something happens, you're feeling overwhelmed in this moment, just take a deep breath. Not like, not like a jokey breath. Like I'm going to do this on the podcast. So we're going to take a deep breath, like breathe in, hold it for three seconds, breathe out, 
hold it for three seconds, and then force yourself to smile for five seconds. You can't see it, but I'm creepy smiling. (laughs) What that does is that's going to calm your heart rate, heart rate, excuse me, it's going to calm your heart rate. And then the smiling helps to open up your brain and be a little silly. And then it'll get you calm enough to be able to get your prefrontal cortex back online to be able to make a decision or, or pivot to your next moment. But knowing that if you are somebody that's chronically overwhelmed, there are systems that you can set up in your life, uh, notes to remind you to breathe, making sure that teachers don't just barge into your office, like ways to know that to make, to prioritize what is important and what you're trying to do in your building. But and making sure you have you have a break. Like y'all, we work too much. Please don't check your email on the weekends. I do it. I literally have to put my phone in a box. But you deserve you deserve to be with your family. You deserve to leave work at work. You deserve to take some time for you. I know that the, again, the badge of honor. I don't eat and I've worked all weekend. Like why is exhaustion a status symbol? So I'd be if you want to thrive, like let's get to the underpinnings of why you might be overwhelmed because there are things that you can do. Love it. Great, great, great ideas. Great responses there. Appreciate it, Danielle. This is this is really cool. I mean, because there's so much going on right now. It's so easy. So for, much you know, going on. <laughs> and, it, and it's your own mindset that will help you deal with it. And yes, because if you don't, if you don't watch out, that's what that's what throws you over the deep end is that your mindset starts, I got to handle everything. And it's like, well, really? So right. ways. if you handle. try to handle everything, you'll handle nothing. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. So, you know, what is something that a middle school leader could do during the day that might make her feel like she can take on whatever challenges that she will face for the day? What do you think? So something I use as a teacher that I found super helpful. So I'm going to give you two ideas. One, I called it a Monday folder because as a teacher, sometimes Mondays were so hard. I just was like, I do not want to go to school that day. I just, you know, I dreaded it. It's like the sad Sundays, moanful Mondays. So I had a folder where I put any good news, a letter a student wrote me, a letter from a colleague, a letter from a parent, an an award I got, or just maybe even um, my something that I loved about teaching And in the moments where I was just miserable or needed a pick me up, I'd open that folder and I'd be reminded of, of why I do what I do. So the second way of doing that too is take time. And I share this with thousands of leaders. What is your why? Why are you in education? What led you to this moment? What are your hopes and dreams for your students and your teachers? Take time to think about that. And if you do that activity, we have a blog about it. Um, Simon Sinek's written several books and podcasts about and Ted talks about it. But but taking time just to, even if you just do a 10-minute write, five-minute write, just t- set a timer for five minutes, write why do you do what you do, distill it into three words and put it on a sticky note and stick it on your computer or in your office, or in your Monday folder. And that's going to be the light in times of darkness. Because there's times where I travel so much for work. And last week, I was literally on, I was in six places, five planes. And it's exhausting. But I know my why is connection, joy and making a difference. So when I'm in, in it, I remind myself of those things. And then I look at the faces of the people in front of me and that re-brings me into the present moment. So Monday folder, connecting to your why, sticky note on your computer, your desk, like that's going to help you just, they're all things to click us back in this moment in time. Because when you're overwhelmed or stressed, it's because you're in the future or in the past. But if we stay in the present, if you can be in the moment you'll get back to yourself. And that's what we need people to be. That's what we're talking about, being brave, being vulnerable. It's doing this work. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Danielle, this has been cool. I I mean, before we finish, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? So I just actually built out my LinkedIn profile. So if you want to know more about what I'm doing, some of the articles I've written, um, other podcasts that I host, uh, the one, not others. 
this podcast, I'll post it when it comes out, but it's a LinkedIn backslash Danielle Sullivan CA, or just look for Danielle Sullivan Curriculum Associates on LinkedIn. Excellent. I will put that information in the show notes and uh, uh, it was very cool. So I got a, I got a couple of questions that I would like to ask you if you got time. We got uh, yeah. uh, that have nothing but yeah, a lot to do with what we're talking about. So if you had a chance to go back in time to you as a brand new teacher, you know, prior to being in your first class with your mm-hmm. own students, what advice would you give you? I, I've talked about it a lot. I would have, I would give myself the advice of systems, like actually looking at the environment of my classroom, making sure that I have small group work. I have a cozy corner for students. I have some computers where students can work. Um, I have a centers printed and done. So if student might, the worst thing is students would be like, oh, I hated that. It was like nails on a chalkboard. So setting up my classroom, very student friendly to with work and activities that both spark joy, spark curiosity, but are also um, meeting their academic performance because I was a special education fifth and sixth grade teacher. So I think if I wish, I wish I would go back and say, this is going to help set you up and give you that time, maximizing your instructional time with them. And I would also have an opportunity for them to connect. Like I I might've had an affirmation board or a connection corner where students could compliment each other. Like I wish I had more positive um, systems around my classroom too. Very cool. So last question, if you could, let's go back on that time machine again. If you could take something back in time with you to help you in the classroom, what would you take? Oh my gosh. And and I'm not a shameless plug. I would have had her eye ready. Cool. <laughs> I was a former special ed teacher. I did not have any actionable data in it. I was guessing, guessing, guessing. So I would have taken, like, sometimes I have nightmares that I'm back. I meant dreams <laughs> that I'm back in the classroom. Just kidding. Nightmare. <laughs> but I, I'm like, I need this. I need our math program. Like I just, I needed, I would have needed some data to help me know exactly where my kids were. Like that was a huge pain point for me. So I would take, I would have taken iReady back with me. Very cool. I like that. That's that's awesome. I, Danielle, it was great talking with you again. Thanks so much for sharing with us about leadership in the middle school level, thriving in the classroom, and curriculum associates. Just as a note, listeners, you got to go back to episode 389. You can find it at my website, stephenmaletto.com slash 389, and that's our first talk, and where we talk about some of our article, Danielle's articles and so forth. And uh, today we're all about the middle school uh, leader. So good stuff. Um, wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I appreciate you. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.